Welcome to Reasonably Fit, the podcast where we'll teach you everything you need to know about health and fitness, but in a much more reasonable way than you might be used to. Think about us as your friendly fitness experts, but we're chill about it. All right. So Lauren has been patiently waiting as I've been prepping myself. I I just had a a big sneezing attack. (laughs) And so I had to blow my nose, get myself together, drink some coffee, and now I'm I'm back in it. Uh, there's a scene that we always reference whenever one of us is taking too long at something, and it's a scene in Love Actually when Mr. Bean, Mr. Bean, <laughs> Mr. Bean is like getting the jewelry ready for the guy to present to the his affair, his, like, mistress, yeah. his mistress, basically. And he's just like ready in the flashes of flashes, and he like just goes on forever. I don't know why, but we found it so funny that we always reference back anytime one of us takes too long. But or if somebody's like bagging the groceries, taking a long yeah. time. Like anything, anytime that something's taking a long time, we're just like ready in the flashes of flashes. Right away, sir. Yes. So anyway, we are ready. We're ready. Uh, much more ready than last week. Last week we were just. Just stressed the whole time that Kinsley was going to wake up, which, which of course did. she did. Um, and I closed out the podcast. Luckily, I mean, we got through about like 80, 85% of it. Um, but yeah, we were just in the back of our minds. We were like, ah, oh, this could happen at any moment. Which yeah, I feel great. like we were like on the edge of our seats, like just waiting for it to happen. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah. She is at least a more predictable napper than Kendrick ever was. So it's true. At, at least, least we an knew hour. we were going to get an hour. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, today's our first day with both kids in school or daycare. Yeah. Since for like the last two and a half weeks. So we went on a trip to New York, which you all know about, um, to visit my parents and. That Sunday, was it on the drive back? It was on the drive. We were just leaving and we were oh, like, leaving. oh, it's been like such a great weekend, but it's been exhausting. And now we're like ready to get to work on Monday. Yeah. And literally we're like, get we like strapped the kids into the seat for this five hour extra, well, actually like eight hour extravaganza to drive home. And I get a call from daycare that's like, <laughs> so Kendrick was exposed on Friday to a positive case. So he has to quarantine for five days and then he can come back wearing a mask like that's their policy right now so we were like oh my gosh like that's a lot like it's he's hard to have home because he just requires a lot of attention uh, a like, lot of attention he, yeah. and he doesn't nap so he, it's a full day of just <laughs> needing to somebody needs to be like with him playing with him not only needing attention but like you know we're anxious to get back like clean the house, get our laundry, like do all that. And we know that with him, it's going to be just an explosion everywhere of clothes (laughs) and toys and laundry and just food and all that. So we were like, oh my goodness. So that was kind of a blow, but we're like, okay. And then, so then of course, then we're like, oh my God, what if he exposed our whole family? Like everybody was together. We're like, come on. So we, thankfully, like we got him home he tested negative and we tested him multiple times. He continued to test negative. So did we. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but we're like, well, Kins- it was their classes are all separated. So Kinsley could at least go back. So Kinsley goes back on Monday while Kendrick is home with us. And we're like trying to get stuff done. And then, of course, Monday night, I like I left with Kinsley and I got like a kind of a look from one of the admin people, but she didn't say anything to me. <laughs> and I was like, what was that look? And then I get a call like 10 minutes later. I was like, sorry that I missed you, but I wanted oh. to let you know that Kinsley was exposed. I was like, you didn't miss me. I was, you saw me. You just didn't want to tell me in person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then Kinsley was exposed on that day, I guess, somehow. Anyway, so then she needed to do a 10-day isolation from going to school because she can't wear a mask. So yeah. the policy is five days and then a mask. But since she's too little, hers is 10 days, which is just so long so on long. parents. And we're so like... 
it's hard when we hear the news and we were like kind of frantic, but then also realizing that we're so lucky with the life that we've built and, you know, we're so grateful that we have so much freedom in our schedules that we don't get like fired from our jobs. Like, I don't know how people aren't just getting fired with all the time that yeah. they have to take off for kids being home from school. It's insane. I mean, we have to work really late at night to accommodate for that, oh, but yeah. still we have that opportunity to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. Is huge. It's exactly. So it's a, uh, right. It's, we're lucky and it's still really hard yeah. <laughs> at the same time. So um, anyway. And couple that with that, the fact that it was a rise week. So we had to oh, yeah. plan and write and video and edit and all, all that um, for rise. But it was, uh, but we ended up making it all work and we actually ended up making the most of it. We actually had a lot of fun. Thankfully, that whole week was gorgeous. Yes. We could spend most of it outside. The kids yeah. got their energy out and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and and of none of us ended up getting COVID. So that was yeah, great. Good plus. Yeah. Um, but now... First time back, we're recording on a Friday. We usually do it on a Thursday, but Friday, Kinsley's back at Take Care, Kendrick's back at Take Care, and we feel amazing <laughs> for one day. <laughs> yeah, and then it's the weekend. Let's do it again. Which, if you're a parent, you know that the weekend is actually the hardest part of the week, yeah. <laughs> um, but also it's very fun. So yeah, we're excited to do this, excited to be here. Side note, any of you who are Stranger Things fans, I am loving the new season, loving it. I would say it's probably, there's four seasons. I would say it's probably my favorite besides the first one. They've really upped the character development. All these side characters who I thought were just side characters are now becoming main characters. And like, it's it's awesome. I So I watched season one mm-hmm. with you through my hands, like yeah. through my fingers, <laughs> barely squinting to open my eyes. But I got through it. Season two, I was pregnant, I think, with Kids yeah. Lane, maybe. Or was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't watch. I don't know. There was something about it that I was like, I can't. I'm too scared. So I made you recap every episode to me, but I didn't watch. But I was like listening. I was yeah. like in a different room and I could yeah. kind of hear it. And then I was like, okay, tell me what really happened. Season three, I then watched, which mm-hmm. I really liked. Season four, I watched the first episode was like, nope, can't yeah. do it. And so now I just hear, I'm like upstairs watching The Office because I need something lighthearted. And I hear downstairs like, Boom! Like this, like bass, like monsters. I'm like, oh my god! I'm scared, and I'm not even watching it. Season one. The only reason I got you to watch season one was because this is what you say to anyone who doesn't like horror slash like jumpy things. You're like, oh, it's not really quite scary. It's, it's more of like a creepy. thriller, like creepy, yeah. like yeah, but it's not really scary. And yeah, it's like the first scene, it's like monsters it's and like terrifying. gore. And, like <laughs> and I feel like when you say that, what you mean is like, usually it means that there, it's like kind of like a creepy like storyline, but nothing jumps out at you. But things jump out at you all the time yeah. in, scary, in Stranger Things, in Scary Things. <laughs> I call it Scary Things. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm not a fan of horror and things that like make you jump. Yeah. Just hate it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So... That's the updates. Those are the updates. Yeah, Stranger Things. Stranger Things and... And kids kids. and COVID. (laughs) Cool. So let's get into today's episode then. Let's do it. So today we're going to outline the top five mental blocks or mental pitfalls that we see people have going to the gym. We did a few episodes back, we did um, like the top five mistakes that we see in the gym. And that was a little bit more about um, how you approach your workouts like you know, programming wise and what you're focusing on in the gym. If like not progressively overloading your exercises, things like that, that are more technical, I would say. Mm -hmm. This is more of the mental side of training and the things that we tend to focus on that actually pull us away from the enjoyment of physical activity and movement. Um, And so we want to go over 
what those top things are that we see, tell some stories about what we've seen and how we've seen people sort of be able to overcome those things. Um, and hopefully just bring awareness to the mentality that a lot of sort of like negative mentality that a lot of us carry with us to the gym. Yeah. And you talked about enjoyment. And I think that's going to be a key term that we keep going back to. It's like for any sort of hobby or passion, like in order for you to want to keep getting better at it or keep wanting to work on it, you're going to want to enjoy it, right? You're going to want to enjoy the process. You're going to want to have fun and feel like as you're doing it, it's not a chore, that it's not work, that you're just doing it because you love doing it. But these mental sort of pitfalls that a lot of gym goers face, I would say every gym goer faces, it starts to burden the whole process. And I like to think of it as when people turn their hobby or passion into their job, like like some sort of arts and crafts, let's say. And we always like talk about you as an example. One of Lauren's, if Lauren wasn't a fitness instructor slash content creator, she would probably be owning an Etsy shop, monetizing her craft of being able to create amazing signs and elaborate sort of like artwork, calligraphy, all that stuff. And we always talk about how it probably would be terrible. (laughs) Like you would, (laughs) you would then have to be like, okay, I have to really be efficient at this process. I have to sell, I have to market, I have to do all these things around it. And suddenly it becomes not fun. Yeah. I mean, I make, I I love to make um, like chalkboard signs for weddings or baby showers and things like that. And I will do it for friends just for fun. Mm -hmm. And it will take me like six hours. Yeah. Like no joke. And it's because I, I do a letter and I don't love how that looks. So I erase it. And then I'm like, <laughs> try this new, this like new type of flower. And then I'm like, mm, I'm going to try a different way. And I spend so long doing it and I love every single second of it. Mm-hmm. I just love it. It makes me feel so relaxed. But yeah, just like you're saying, like we always say, if I actually was trying to have a shop where I'm selling these and I had to quickly turn them over, I would be, I would feel so frustrated because I would probably wouldn't think that they were as good as they could be, but I wouldn't be able to edit them as much as I wanted to. And, you know, it just, I definitely, I I love that comparison because it's like, as soon as you take the joy out of the situation and you make it feel like a job, it it then just loses the spark that it gave you initially. Yeah. And as soon as you lose that, then it just becomes harder and harder to overcome little obstacles along the way. Like, let's say you get hurt or let's say you get sick or let's say you have some sort of setback it's tougher to just get back on track with your training and with your workouts. And so some of the stuff that we're going to bring to light is going to be very familiar to a lot of you. And we hope that just by bringing a little bit more awareness to it, that you can sort of uh, sort of navigate around it. You don't want to avoid it necessarily, but just navigate around it and understand why it's happening. And hopefully we can give you some solutions to work around it. Yeah. And sometimes when I think awareness is, is so important in these situations because at least when you are having these moments, you can just say to yourself like, oh, okay, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. And just recognizing that it's what's happening can get you out of it a little bit or at yeah. least can, kind of get you to say like, okay, maybe that's not the best mindset to be in right now and let's try to do like focus on something else. So it doesn't always have to be about providing an exact solution for every single problem. Sometimes it really is just knowing that this is something that you could fall into and helping yourself not avoid it necessarily like you just said, but just helping yourself navigate the situation knowing that that's sort of where your mindset's at right now. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's get into the first one that we wanted to talk about, which is comparing yourself to your previous self. 
So we're going to do two that are comparisons. This one is about comparing yourself to your previous self. The next one is about comparing yourself to others. And I think a lot of times when people think about comparison, they think about comparing yourself to others. That's like the common, it's like comparison is the thief of joy is (laughs) some old president said that. Um, (laughs) I don't remember Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, But, and it's a great quote. And, but I think a lot of times it's used in like, don't compare yourself to other people, which we're going to get there. But something that we do a lot and that we see a lot of people do is comparing themselves to their previous selves and a different time in their life, a different season in their life, a time where they were maybe a different size in their body or they didn't have children and now they do. Like there's so many different seasons that you go through. Comparing yourself to a previous season in life can be very harmful. Yeah, this was most prevalent, I'd say, in our lives when we would go through initial like consultations or evaluations with uh, potential clients and potential members. And we'd sit down and talk about, okay, what do you want to accomplish in the gym? Why are you here? And I feel like 70% of people, they would talk about how they want to be the size they were when they were in high school or when they were in college or for a lot of the athletes or people that were really active, like they wanted to be able to lift the same amount of weight that they did in high school or hit the same PRs. And it's like all this stuff of like going back to what they could do or what they used to be able to do. Yeah, I feel like people have this misconception that their their bodies in high school or college are like the gold standard of what their bodies either should look like or should be able to do. And I don't know why that's the case, but so many people, like you were saying, they reference, oh, like I always felt, I felt the most comfortable in my skin when I was this weight, that's what I was in high school. Or when I was this, able to do the X, Y, or Z, that's what I was able to do in college. And it always is brought back to that like late teens, early 20s (laughs) stage of life. I think it makes a lot of sense because at that point in your life, most people, they have the least amount of responsibility <laughs> and the least true. amount of stuff on their plate, the least worries in terms of finances and life and career and all that. So you're able to spend a lot of time on just enjoying things, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the more you get older, life, work, kids, like all that gets in the way and starts to kind of like chip away at that sort of stuff. But I think the reason why this is so dangerous is because it just really robs the enjoyment and the fulfillment from this whole training process. When you are learning new things or obsessed with a hobby or a craft, you get really excited about the little things like, oh, I can do this now. Oh, I can do that now. Oh, I learned this new skill. Oh, this is so much better than it was before. You don't have those moments if you are constantly referencing back to a time that was like 10 years prior of like, you're constantly referring back to that time of like, oh, I'm not as good as that point. I'm not as thin as I was then. I'm not as big as I was then. I'm not as strong as I was once then. And that just sucks the joy out of the whole process. And so I think that's where it gets really tricky because instead of being proud of yourself and being so into the whole idea of getting better and improving and practicing, you just are constantly backpedaling and being in this sort of defensive mindset up around it. Yeah. I mean, I was one of those people for a long time, especially after I graduated college and I was having a lot of body image issues myself. And I had this one picture of myself. I was in Australia. I know it. I picture it so well just when I close my eyes and see this picture because this was my like reference to what I wanted to look like. <laughs> and I was 16, which is 
ridiculous to be aiming for once you're in your 20s and 30s. But anyway, I was 16. I was holding a parrot on my arm. I was in Australia on a family <laughs> vacation and I had like six pack abs. I was still doing gymnastics at the time. Like I look like whatever. I, I look like a 16 year old who was doing gymnastics. And that wasn't who I was in my late 20s when I was trying to then look like that person, right? But that picture was, I had it on my phone and I would pull it up and look at it. I just constantly used that as my reference point for what I wanted to accomplish with my body, like what I wanted to look like. And I never took into account the fact that there were just so many factors going on at that time in my life. I was I was working out like four hours a day, <laughs> every single day. I was young. I hadn't even gone through puberty yet because I was doing gymnastics and I was like, everything was delayed. Like there were so many things about my life at that point that were unfair to compare myself to now or even in my twenties, but I did it constantly. And I, and every time I made, you know, progress in the gym or had an accomplishment that I should have been proud of, it was like the immediate reaction in my mind was to compare myself, my body to that image, that picture that I had and just be like, well, I mean, I'm still not there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I remember a lot of times we would go through these really difficult workouts or whatever. And yeah, you would say things like, oh, this was so much easier back when I was a gymnast or, oh, I can't really do this as well because I'm, I'm no longer competing in gymnastics. And I think at one point you sort of opened up to me and showed me the picture that you were kind of like talking about now. And I remember in the back of my head, I was like, this this picture, like this girl hasn't even hit puberty yet. Like, <laughs> how is this your reference point? But I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it is it isn't rational a lot mm. of times, but it was definitely like, I think for me, it was when I received the most compliments about my body mm. and from people who were close to me. Like it was always about like how skinny I was and how I had a six pack. And I felt like that picture perfectly portrayed that yes yeah. it was like yes i i can be this skinny i can have a six-pack like my body can do that so the fact that it's not doing that now it's failing me basically and so i think that's why i always am talking about how we need to be careful with the way that we're talking to other people about their bodies because even if you think you're giving a compliment it could spiral into something that becomes very negative later on in life so um that is a side note. <laughs> and it's not, not a side note. It's, it's, a, it's little, a direct note. A yeah. little off topic of what we're talking about today, but but contributes to why people may ha fall into this pitfall is because they have these reference points that either people told them, oh, wow, you were so fit at this time in your life, or you were you looked so good at this time of your life, and now when they don't look that way or they don't feel that way, all of a sudden they feel like they are failing and they only want their only focus is on getting back to where they were, even though their life is so much different now. Yeah. And I think a lot of athletes face this too, um, not even in terms of weight, but also just their performance, mm. right? Like their like the amount of weight that they can lift or how fast they can run, how high they can jump, what kind of stats they put up. And people will uh, applaud these and give them so much praise and compliments. And then, you know, People get older, they enter different periods in their lives, maybe they're not competing, and they've attached themselves to this sort of praise, and when they no longer start to receive it, then they start to question themselves and second-guess stuff and lose the enjoyment, and I think that's why one of the things that we always try to do, especially when we were working, um, when we were owning our gym, was that we didn't necessarily try to praise people for their accomplishments or for their um, 
weight loss journeys or whatever journeys that they were on, we would always just talk about how consistent they were, how dedicated they were, how motivated they were, and talk to them about that rather than putting excess praise and pressure on these other things that they were trying to uphold. Yeah, exactly. It was all about the process versus the outcome. So Mm -hmm. even when, like, yes, we wanted to focus, we wanted to move people's focus away from how their body looked and weight loss and all that stuff to what they could do with their body, right? Like getting their first pull up or deadlifting their body weight. Like those are all like cool goals. But even when they accomplished those goals, we tried to praise the way that they got there mm-hmm. instead of the fact that they are there. Yeah. So it was like, you were so consistent. Like you did pull ups three days a week. That's how you got here. That's you practiced so much. You were so consistent. You came in so frequently and you worked really hard. Like those are the things to praise, not the fact that, now you can do a pull-up because yeah. once you're like all your whole focus is on the fact that they can do a pull-up, someday they're not going to be able to do a pull-up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then are they not worthy anymore? Like it's all the same kind of thing. It all goes back to trying not to focus on the the outcome, Yeah, but just be more in the process of just working hard and enjoying it and all those things that make it fun. Yeah. And, you know, we talk a lot about progressive overload and... We talk about PRs and like improving at the gym and all that. And we do think that these markers are definitely a lot more in your control, right? It's easier to think about putting two and a half more pounds onto a barbell than it is to gain muscle or lose body fat or all the those sort of metrics that people often like to look at. That's a lot more in your control. But there is a sort of like double-edged I don't even know what the phrase is, double-edged side to this, where if you go too, double-edged sword to this, (laughs) I was thinking about a razor for some reason. If you go too far on the other side of the spectrum, then yeah, you can start to compare yourself to your previous PRs and just start to get too focused on the numbers um, from a performance standpoint. And it starts to also chip away at your enjoyment of the process as well. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning, we mentioned that this was going to be a little more about bringing awareness to some of these issues. But this one, we actually have found a little bit of a solution that really worked for for other people that we've trained, for ourselves. And that's to think about compartmentalizing your life a little bit, like periods of your life and being able to celebrate accomplishments within that specific period of your life rather than comparing it to another time in your life. So for me, this has been, I've really done this with... Um, pregnancy and postpartum because I remember obviously when you're pregnant like your weights aren't as impressive or high as you've ever done them before and you start to not be able to do things that you could do before and it can feel very discouraging even though you know mentally like I I obviously I can't do everything that I could do I'm literally growing a human like my <laughs> body is changing so much but it still can be very discouraging and so I started to do a I would have pregnancy PRs so you know I deadlifted 135 pounds, clearly not a PR for me, but that's a pregnancy PR. It's the most I've deadlifted while I'm pregnant. And just being able to celebrate the fact that I can do this at this period of my life, and that's really cool that I'm able to do that. And it's the same thing with postpartum. Like after I had Kendrick, I remember I really wanted to get back to doing pull-ups and I was used to being able to do a certain number of pull-ups before I was pregnant. And then obviously I went through all of pregnancy. I went through postpartum. Like it's a lot of time off from doing pull-ups and to expect myself to be able to just jump back up on the bar and start knocking out pull-ups was un reasonable and so I just kept saying that like every rep I got was a postpartum PR so that was a PR Mm. like I've never done one pull-up after having a baby yeah yeah. (laughs) so the fact that I did one 
is a PR and that's like something to celebrate. And yes, I could do 10 before I got pregnant, but like, who cares? That's it, my body is so different now. Like things in my life are so different now that the fact that I can do one right now is a really cool accomplishment that I worked really hard toward. And so focusing on celebrating that in this period of your life just helps you to get out of that comparison trap. Yeah. And there's any number of different ways where you can compartmentalize, right? And you can even go with pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. Mm -hmm. You can go, uh, this is what I used to be able to lift in high school versus now. And I think um, a lot of athletes naturally know this because they've been training and having such a like focus on numbers and statistics where they'll talk about lifetime PRs versus what they're currently doing. Or they have training PRs versus meet or competition PRs. And they're able to compartmentalize it because you kind of have to. Otherwise, you're constantly chasing something that you were able to do in some sort of ideal situation. So now being able to put a little bit more of like a disclaimer upon things, you're able to then go back and re-enjoy the process. And one thing that also helped me was when I was strength training um, from like a very powerlifting standpoint, I was so obsessed, this was in my early 20s, trying to get certain numbers on my bench squat and deadlift. And it was a... 300-pound bench, 400-pound squat, 500-pound deadlift. And these were just general markers, I think, thrown around randomly by one strength coach one time. And I just, like, latched myself to that idea that I wasn't a good coach until I could hit those numbers. And I was just so focused on it. And because of that, I was trying to accelerate the process, cut corners, trying to push more weight than I should. I would get hurt, banged up. I would scale back, repeat the process, get hurt, scale back. And like just this whole like mental anguish around these three numbers. And the thing that finally got me to re-enjoy the whole process was actually getting into Olympic lifts. Olympic lifts, it was like, it was something where it was adjacent to what I was doing before. Like it's similar because you're still lifting a barbell, you're lifting weights, but it was totally different and there was no frame of reference, no comparison that I could make. And so I could enjoy the process again of learning technique. And so I would say, oh, you know, last week I was learning it from a high hang position. Now I'm lifting from the floor. Before I was lifting, you know, X amount of weight. Now I'm lifting it for this amount of weight. And I was starting to regain my love and my enjoyment for lifting and it really helped me out. And so I think that there are different ways that you can think of different parallels to what you're currently doing. Like maybe if you're, if you've been biking a lot, you can start to think about triathlons or if you are, have been, I don't know, a former gymnast, like maybe you can get into some other skill that requires your body, like rock, rock climbing, climbing. Yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. It's like you've been thinking about it's it. It's random, but um, yeah. But yeah, in that way you can still do things that are very similar, but you have no frame of reference for this thing and it helps you again to enjoy that process. Yeah, I love that so much. It's definitely something that just kind of can help you get out of the the comparison rut, whether you're whether you're comparing to yourself or to someone else, it's kind of a good all-around solution is just to kind of find something that is not exactly what you're comparing to so that you don't have too much of a reference and you get to just like do something new. I think that is why a lot of people who are new when they would first join our gym, like you could just sense the excitement when they started strength training because it was something that they hadn't done before. Mm. So if their focus was, had been on their weight, 
And that was what they were constantly comparing to. Like, say it's someone who, like me, who like had these pictures in their head of what they thought their body should look like. And constantly when they worked out, that was what they were thinking about was just like getting back to looking like that. But all of a sudden you introduce this new skill that's exciting and they've never learned it before. And it just forces your brain to focus on that thing instead of focusing on what you were constantly focusing on before. So yeah. it's when you introduce something new, something exciting, something fun, it just takes your your focus away from that comparison. Yeah. And speaking of adjacent topics, when I was about to say adjacent, I realized that if I didn't say the T, it was going to sound like I said adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like I really needed to accentuate the T, but then it sounded really weird. Adjacent <laughs> topics. <laughs> um, anyway, we're going to move on to comparing yourself to others. So this is the pitfall number two that we tend to see is people comparing their themselves, either their bodies or their accomplishments to other people. And this is the one that is most commonly referred to when people are talking about comparison. Um, and I think the, the thing that comes to mind when I think about this topic for me first is all of the articles, blogs, magazines, whatever, that are like, get Michelle Obama arms, get <laughs> Carrie Underwood legs. Like it's like, get this body part that is somebody else's by doing this exercise. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not, so it's not even like tone your arms or like things that are still problematic, right? Like <laughs> that's still not a good headline, but to then bring it a step further and say, get arms like this person, get this person's arms, get this person's legs, get this person's abs. It creates this feeling that you're supposed to look like somebody else. And it's so, well, it it's like, Harmful, but it's also stupid <laughs> because you can't like your body. That's not your body. Your body will not look like somebody else's body for so many reasons, genetics and lifestyle. Like there's just so many things, reasons that my arms will never look like Michelle Obama's arms and like <laughs> bummer because she has great arms, but whatever. That's it, it's such a prevalent way that people talk about bodies is like you should be striving to look like this other person yeah and i think you know when we were before the age of social media it was like very simple in terms of like oh it's always like this celebrity that you're looking up to or this movie star now it's going to be always all in your face because of social media because you're scrolling your feed and there's just just millions and millions of people that you can constantly compare yourself to and yeah it's definitely a tough trap because you're looking at their their strongest lift let's say or you're looking at their most like posed best lighting physiques and stuff like that and you're just like you're constantly almost feeling bad about yourself as you're scrolling through these feeds i remember so clearly i was teaching a class at achieve and there's this one woman in the class who was there all the time and we had become very friendly and she came up to me after one class and I was like wearing shorts that day and she was like every time you demonstrate leg exercises I was just like staring at your legs and I just want your legs and I was like what I was like that's I was t so taken aback because first of all I was so just like self-conscious that I never could think of myself in a like way that somebody would want something that I had. And then I also, on the flip side, always looked at her as like almost in the same way. Like, oh my God, she's so strong. Like, I, I would love to look like her. Like, I felt like I sometimes compare myself to her. And to hear her say that to me made me be like, what are we doing? Like, why are we just trying to look like other people? Like, all of this is so... It's, it's keeping us from just enjoying what we're doing and just like living our lives. And I, I just remember how or I just know how many times that that 
happens when even just you're walking around in person and you see somebody walk by and you're like, you just wish that you looked like them. You just wish <laughs> that you had their body. And it's like, this is just dangerous because we don't have the ability to have somebody else's body. And so striving to do to try to look like someone else or comparing yourself to someone else, there is no good to be had, mm. right? There's no positive outcome from that. It's only going to be you feeling bad about yourself. It's only going to, yeah, it's only going to add mental burden to you, which is the whole theme of this whole episode is to take away stressors and just have things be more fun. And if you're constantly adding things that are totally not in your control, totally not feasible, not logical, then it's not going to yield a good result. It's it's going to suck the enjoyment out of your training again. Yeah, exactly. So it's this is one that really does take just some awareness of when you catch yourself doing that, taking a step back, reminding yourself that that is their body. Those are their genetics. That is the way that they happen to look. You don't look like that. And you that's not a bad thing. Yeah. And moving beyond weight or physical appearance, there's also this whole comparing your lifts to another person's lifts. And this is something that we saw pretty often at our gym where people would often want to lift like someone else. Like they wanted their deadlift or they wanted their bench press or they wanted to be able to do pull-ups as well as that other person. And the thing that we would have to constantly remind them is that their body was perfect the way it was and that certain body types are predisposed to do better at certain lifts than other body types. Like you have longer arms or if you have longer legs, you're predisposed to have a better deadlift. If you have shorter legs, shorter arms, you're more predisposed to be better at squatting, be better at bench pressing. And there's different ways that your body type can be better at different lifts. And so by constantly comparing yourself to other people, you're really taking away from your body's natural advantages and strengths. And so if you have, let's say, longer arms and longer legs and you're predisposed to deadlifts, if you are leaning into those strengths, your deadlifts numbers will go up. But if you're constantly thinking in the back of your mind, oh, I wish I had that person's bench press or I wish I had that person's pull-ups or I wish that I had that person's push-ups, you start to take away from you leaning into your strengths and you start to focus on other areas, like you're never going to be happy with your training. And so by leaning into your strengths and focusing heavily on your deadlifts, you start to get stronger at that and you start to feel better because you're getting getting more out of the process and, you enjoy, and you're enjoying it more. And what you'll notice on social media is that people do this naturally. They lean into whatever their strengths are, whatever their body part that they're most happy about. They just post about that more and more often and that's what they uh, get enjoyment out of. But if you're constantly thinking in the back of your mind, oh, I wish I could do this, I wish I could do that, it starts to, again, suck the process, suck, suck the enjoyment out of the process. Yeah, and I think we naturally do that with um, like professional athletes or I'm, I'm thinking mm. specifically about Michael Phelps. Like, yeah. People always talk about how his body is just meant to to be a swimmer like mm -hmm. he has like webbed toes like yeah. his body and so we know that like we there's a certain level of comparison where we're like well we're not built like michael phelps so of course we can't swim like michael phelps and so but that feels like enough distance between us like none of us feel like we even could mm. do that but in the gym when you're just like surrounded by people who are kind of similar to you it's a, i feel like it's an easier thing to do to mm. just start to compare yourself because you lose that that like even sense of difference between you and someone else who's there next to you side by side squatting and you're like, 
why can they squat so much more than me? And you you lose the perspective of like, well, oh, they're like six inch, inches shorter than me. <laughs> like, yeah. It's lower, they're lower to the ground. It's easier for them. Like you just forget to have that same perspective when it's not such a drastic difference. But there's still those differences that really do predispose you to be better at some things and not as good at other things. And like, that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> totally. We all have those things. And when clearly we're not all Olympic swimmers. And so that's easier to just be like, oh, it's just Michael Phelps just has a different body. So I'm not going to compare myself to him. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I think if you're just listening at home, it's just taking these thoughts at face value and just deciding whether or not if they're serving you or not serving you. And most of the times these comparison stuff, they're not going to serve you. I mean, I think there are some times where maybe they can inspire you and have you be more uplifted. But most of the time, comparison traps aren't ideal situations and so hopefully these two points kind of bring more awareness to this and you can stop those sort of like mental down spirals in their tracks next next time you experience them all right so the next mental pitfall is trying to increase slash improve at all the things all at once <laughs> and so this this typically happens to sort of the intermediate camp of lifters beginners when they first start training first start lifting everything is exciting because everything is improving all at once and everything's great nearly every day every workout your squat improves every day your pull-up improves like things just naturally progress but then there becomes a certain point in your training where things start to really slow down you're starting to get closer to your potential and so your sort of rate of return so to speak starts to decrease and it starts to become a little bit frustrating because you are fresh in the back of your mind. Like six months ago, everything was getting better at such a rapid rate. Now things are like much tougher. And so the more experienced, the more advanced you get, the more you have to narrow your focus and start to prioritize different things. And so it helps to focus on, let's say, three to five lifts or so. Let's say it's like, bench squat, deadlift, pull up, push up. Like it helps to think about it in terms of that. Narrow your focus on that. And then all the other lifts are just accessory supplemental lifts that are designed to help out those three to five core lifts that you're trying to improve and focus on. And what you want to really try to detach yourself from is that you have to improve at every single lift. Just think of a few lifts that you want to focus on. Hopefully they're predisposed to their their they lend itself well to your natural body type's predisposition to their strengths. <laughs> <laughs> I think I followed you there. <laughs> um, and the thing that you want to detach yourself from is the idea that you have to improve at all lifts all at once, but focus on those three to five core lifts as your main markers of progress and success. Yeah. And this is really important because if you get into the sort of mental trap where you are trying to improve all things all at once, then nothing will improve basically. Yeah. And so we've gotten to, into uh, training situations where we'd be working with someone and they'd be making so much progress on their three to five core lifts, their bench and squat and deadlift and their push up would be all going up and like things were going great. <clears throat> but then they would feel really discouraged if let's say their pull-ups went down or if their uh, their lunge weight went down or just random things where they would say, oh, you know, three months ago I was able to do 12 push-ups. Now I can only do eight. And then we'd have to remind them, hey, remember your focus right now is your bench squat and deadlift. 
those have gone up dramatically. Your technique has improved dramatically. You've been so consistent. You have to remember that we can always bring up your push-up later on down the road, but right now we're focusing on these things, and these are your clearer markers of progress. So don't forget that point. And this would be a really common thing when people would enter that sort of beginner to intermediate territory. And the one thing that we would always try to remind them of is that this is actually a good thing. This means that you're no longer a beginner. You have to pick and choose the parts that you want to prioritize and focus on. And if you are improving at all things all at once, it means that you're still in this sort of beginner stage. And so this, all this is saying is that you are more advanced and more experienced than you actually think. Yeah. Which makes you feel good. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm advanced. advanced. That, that's why, that's why things are declining. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in reality, it's true. It's true. And so when we'd go through these programs and they would be increasing at these three to five core lifts but then decrease in others, it would incline them and make them want to jump on a different program to help improve their, let's say, their push-up and their pull-up. And so they would be caught in trying to bounce between program and program. Yeah. And one thing I remember people would always do is like, I'm just going to go see if I can do a pull-up. Like in the middle of like a heavy deadlift set. <laughs> and you're like, wait, wait, no, don't do that. Like you're just going to discourage yourself. That's not what we've been focusing on. But there's this just draw to test yourself and like yeah. just check yourself and make sure that you didn't lose too much in other areas. And we would just encourage you not to do that. Like if you haven't been training pull-ups, don't just go try one yeah. because you're only going to be discouraged yeah. <laughs> if you've been working on them consistently. Like that's a reason to get up and see if you can do one. But it's... Yeah, it, there's this tendency to just be like, I just want to, I just want to check yeah. if I can still do that thing that I used to be able to do. And if that hasn't been your focus, it's it's only going to lead to feelings of disappointment. Yeah, I, mean, I think you had similar situations when you would go through different periods of your training. I think Iron Maiden was probably one of them. Yeah, yeah. So Iron Maiden is, uh, it's a challenge through, it's very niche, but it's a challenge through uh, an organization called Strong First that we used to be kettlebell instructors for. And um it's like the challenge is for women, you you have to be able to do a pull-up, an overhead press, and a pistol squat with a 24-kilogram kettlebell, so 53 pounds. And it was always one of those things that I had in the back of my mind as like, I should be able to do this. It's kind of like what you were saying with the, Bench the squat, lifts. Deadlift, yeah, yeah, like I, these are things I, I should be able to do. I want to prove that I'm like a good coach. So There I were would, only like four or five Iron Maidens at that time. So it was like a really, quote-unquote, elite group. Right. Um, that we're trying to train to do this. Yeah. But I also like, I just had a lot of other things that I was better at and also enjoyed doing more. But I kept like feeling this pull to like train for Iron Maiden just to prove that I could do it. So I would train for it for a little while, but then I would be like, I just miss deadlifting. And so then I would like go try a deadlift and realize that my strength in deadlifts had gone down so much because I'd only been training with kettlebells. And then I would feel really sad and be like, I need to up my deadlift. And then I would ditch the Iron Maiden <laughs> training and go back to powerlifting. And it was just this constant like flipping and flopping back and forth between goals because I kept feeling bad about the things that I couldn't do instead mm. of feeling encouraged by the progress that I was making and the thing that I was able to do. Yeah, I feel I like for. what you ended up landing on is a sort of hybrid powerlifting slash Iron Maiden plan, which are completely conflicting yes. goals, uh, especially <laughs> at the level that you were training at. And so, yeah, it's, 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 I think now you can definitely see why it was not a good situation. Not but working. Although I will say I was, do you remember what happened with Iron Maiden? No. I never did it, but I got to the point where I was, I was a week out. We were going down to Florida um, to like assist at a certification and it was the one I was going to 
try to complete it it at because you had to do it at a certification so i had done the pistol and the overhead press several times so that was like no problem at all and i had the pull up with a 22 so i was like okay two kilograms away i feel like maybe the adrenaline of the moment i'll be able to do it like it wasn't a sure thing but i felt like the closest i had ever been to it and then like three days before we left for florida i broke my hand playing football (laughs) (laughs) and i ended up teaching the whole certification in a cast and Needless to say, I obviously couldn't <laughs> couldn't do it. I could have done the press, I guess. But anyway, uh, that was my last time. That was my last attempt. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with close enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Universe has given me a clear cut sign here. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, for those of you listening at home, just really thinking about what is your main priority with your training? What are the lifts that you want to focus on? Focus on those and everything else. And, and this is really like the kind of the the whole point behind training. Everything else just do your best to maintain or if it declines, like don't worry about it too much. You can always focus on it at a future date. But right now, your priority focus for the next few months are those lists that you focused or that you uh, wrote down and prioritized. And what's important to note is that the more and more advanced you get, that list becomes smaller and smaller. And so let's say you are an elite Olympic lifter. Your two main lifts that you're going to be focusing on throughout your training are, are going to be the clean and jerk and the snatch and those are the main lifts that you want to prioritize everything else will probably go down or decline or at best maintain but your main priorities are those two lifts and so what you want to think about is the more advanced you get the less and less exercises that you have a chance to really prioritize in your training that will increase all right next mental pitfall is chasing novelty due to boredom and this is one that we see all the time this is something that's a very easy trap to get into because you a a good training program is consistent and has you doing similar lifts over and over and over again um, for a pretty long period of time and that's how you get better at things Um, but that can be slightly boring for some people, especially if you are used to like, I think that the the main people who get really bored by programs like that are people who who are used to doing group classes mm. because when you attend a group class, it's always different. Yeah, It's always, there's always new exercises or new music or new something that's like giving you this feeling of like, oh, I haven't done this before and it's exciting and it's new. And so when you switch from something like that to a training program where you're doing squats every Monday <laughs> and you're doing... <laughs> bench press every Wednesday and it feels a little bit boring, you might have that urge to chase novelty instead, to just chase this like more random workout scheme. Yeah. And I think this is probably compounded by that whole era. I think it was like during P90X where they were talking about muscle confusion. Mm, yeah. You need to shock the muscles. You need to do th- things different. You need to keep your muscles in your toes. That sort of idea. And then also compound it with... I was like, your muscles in your toes? I thought you said in your toes. <laughs> keep your muscles in your toes. And I was like, is that what you said? Muscles on your on toes, their toes. On their toes. Yeah. <laughs> Just funny thinking about a bicep on its toes and whatnot. But anyway... Or the whole idea of like workout of the day by CrossFit where it's a whole different workout every day. And there's this whole other component of people viewing fitness and training and strength training as just a by or a means to burn more calories. And so it's not honoring the fact that strength training in itself actually takes a lot of skill. It takes a lot of repetition and practice to get better at these sort of classic lifts, the squat, bench, deadlift, push-up, pull-up, lunge, like all these lifts that you see over and over again, these are the lifts that you really need to spend a lot of time 
rehearsing, getting better at, refining your craft at in order to progress in strength training. But if you're constantly jumping from program to program or jumping from new exercise to new exercise, you're never ended up you're never ending up getting better at those things and all you're doing is just satisfying your urge for novelty and changing things up. And when you're chasing novelty like that, you're never actually getting better at anything. Yeah, and I think that there is a lot of um confusion about the way that certain people train in order to get to the level that they're at. And I think CrossFit is one of those examples because when as a as sort of like a passive consumer of CrossFit, you just see the CrossFit games. Mm -hmm. And so you might see these athletes doing really incredible things and they're very well rounded and they can swim and they can do pull ups and they can do all these things. And and you look at them and then you look at CrossFit workouts at your local box and it's workouts of the day. It's random. It's not a program. It's really inconsistent in the movements that you're doing. And you think that that's the way that those elite CrossFit athletes are training. Mm. But the reality is that's actually not at all how they're training. They're they're following a program where they are very specifically focusing on the lifts that they need to improve on. They're using progressive overload. They're doing the same movements over and over again. Like their training actually is very, very different from what you see in a local gym, CrossFit gym. And I just think there's a lot of confusion around, around that about what it actually takes to get better at something. And we think that it takes just like doing a little bit of everything and then we'll be a great athlete. Yeah. And when you see, this is also like another thing with social media and Instagram. It's like, because these influencers are trying to create or trying to get more and more attention, they're doing more and more sort of ridiculous skills and different tricks and stuff like that. Like going into like, backflips into box jumps into deadlifts and all these sorts of workouts and so people those workouts are almost normalized but they can only do this because they've built a platform of strength with classic lifts or with gymnastics or whatever whatever base of skills that they've been training up until this point that allows them to express their strength in these sort of like cool quote-unquote and eye-catching ways but they didn't do those to develop their base of strength. <laughs> right. So it's a sort of weird catch 22 that happens. Yeah, and it's really confusing if you're if you're not aware of that, it doesn't like you would never think otherwise. You would never think that they must have trained differently in order to do what they're showing me now because the way that it's usually presented is like oh, look at this cool skill I can do. You should try it too. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> you know? whenever you see any sort of intense Nike commercial, intense training commercial, the person, the athlete is always doing battling ropes, no yeah. matter what, like, because it's just more interesting visually than, let's say, a push up. And this is why I think people gravitate towards these sort of intense things like battling ropes or box jumps or Jump double rope. unders. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And because they just look cooler on camera, but you are mistakenly thinking that that is leading to that person's level of fitness. It's more that they've rehearsed these same things over and over again that are allowing them to do all these sort of cool stuff, quote unquote. Now, with all that said, we do still understand that you want to be having fun and you want to be entertained by your workouts. So we're not saying like your workouts have to be boring. They have to be the same all the time. Like, Yes, that is going to be, I think the foundation does need to be slightly boring, but it's okay to also have fun. It's okay to also do different things as long as you sort of have this set foundation that you're building off of, right? Yeah, I think this is where personal trainers especially have 
gone on the complete other side of the spectrum to sort of combat all this sort of novelty chasing is doubling down on the fact that training should be boring. It shouldn't be flashy. It should just be very much the same thing over and over again. And they'll talk about wax on and wax off and like you need to get better at this and blah, blah, blah. But most people going back to our podcast name, Reasonably Fit, they just want to be reasonably fit. (laughs) They don't want to compete in bodybuilding or compete in powerlifting, which means that they don't have to be as strict as a competitive athlete. And so I think there's a way where you can focus on the basics, focus on the classic lifts, but also scratch your itch in terms of novelty, like that exercise you see on Instagram, like you want to try it out, or that thing that you saw in a magazine, like you want to try that out. And so I think there's ways where maybe you can think about it as 80% of your workouts are generally the same, but 20% of your workouts There's play, there's novelty built in that makes things exciting. And that's what we try to do with our RISE program. This isn't a pitch for our (laughs) RISE program, but that's what we found is that before when we had our only our trainer hats on, like we were like, no, people should only do these lifts and they should focus on this and getting better at that. If there's any more time and energy, they should be still devoted on practicing these lifts. And now we've realized that, no, that's very unrealistic and that's a very boring way to treat things. There's a way where people can still focus on the basics, but also experience other things that they want to try out because that's fun and motivating in itself, right? To be able to see something cool and like, hey, let me try a version of that by myself and be able to do that. And so with our Rise program, we always try to bake in anywhere from 10 to 20 different possible exercise variations that people can try out if they want to. And that helps to keep things interesting, keep things motivating. Like it's boring to just do squat, bench, deadlift, push up, pull up all the time. (laughs) It can really help to do like, oh, I can do this single leg deadlift to jump or this kettlebell press to windmill, like where I'm moving my bodies in cool ways. And, you know, I think it's also a disservice to say that doing these sorts of skills aren't accomplishing anything. They're accomplishing uh, your Uh, different levels of balance and stability and coordination and mental stimulation. And there's all these sort of benefits that come into play that are really beneficial. (laughs) Yeah. And we, the way that we program is it it is that you still do it. You still have uh, repeat exposure to it. Mm, That's true. So it's not like, I think that the mistake that we're talking about is chasing complete novelty every time, every single time. So just doing literally doing workout of the day type of, approach like just random exercises so just doing whatever you saw on instagram that day and taking it writing it down and doing it and then doing something that you saw on youtube another day and then doing a on-demand workout another day like just so random yeah but we're saying like build your novelty into your program so that it still feels like there's still some level of consistency and you're still getting better at it Mm -hmm. if you do if you try a press to windmill once it might feel awkward. It might feel weird. You might be like, eh, I don't really know what I'm doing here, but like I'm supposed to do this cool exercise. And then you just move on and you never do it again. And you just didn't get anything out of that. But if you do it a second time and you're like, oh, now I'm actually feeling how I'm supposed to hinge my hips. And oh, I'm starting to understand what muscles this actually works. And then you do it again and you start to get stronger at it. And then you do it again and you start to feel more confident. And it's like, it becomes less of a novelty and more of a an experience and a way of getting better at something new. Mm. So, but it's it's still exciting because it's not just another overhead press. Yeah, like it's something <laughs> a little different. But it's still there's still benefits 
to doing it. So. Yeah. And you just mentioned YouTube workouts. We did, we, we were putting out YouTube workouts for quite a while. And one thing that we noticed that was a big trend that was clearly getting more attention and clicks was this idea of no repeat workouts. Yeah. And it would be like these trainers would come up with workouts where they wouldn't repeat a single exercise throughout the duration of a 50 minute workout. And we were like, absolutely not. We will not succumb to the YouTube <laughs> algorithm for this no repeat workout style because that is not getting you better at all at anything. All you're doing is just going from one random exercise to another to another just as a means to sweat or to burn calories. And that's not the focus. That's a byproduct of a good training program. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Side rant. <laughs> <laughs> and that actually seamlessly moves us into our fifth and final mental pitfall, which is focusing on calories burned over other markers of success. So just like you were just talking about, like having that be your priority over getting stronger or over feeling better, like the sole focus being on how many calories did you burn in a given workout. And this is, I mean, this is probably the most common pitfall of, of people going to the gym because, and at no fault of your own, because it's so in your face all the time, because everybody has some sort of fitness tracker on their wrist that's telling them how many calories they've burned. And then you hop on a treadmill or a piece of cardio equipment that's telling you how many calories you've burned. Like it's everywhere. It's all over the place. And it makes you feel like it's what you are supposed to be focusing on. Yeah. It's a sort of like continuous cycle, right? It's like the fitness industry has said that calories are the thing that you need to focus on. And so people focus on that. And now all these new companies popping up, they're like, uh, I have this like, I have this like bicycle. I, I guess I need to put how many calories they burn on this bicycle <laughs> or this rower or this fitness tracker watch or whatever. It's like now it just has been a self-perpetuating cycle where everyone feels the need to include calories in any discussion or any piece of equipment that is related to fitness. Yeah. And it's not even that accurate like especially the you know wearable devices might be slightly more accurate but uh, hopping on a treadmill and having it just arbitrarily tell you how <laughs> many calories you burn like it's not it's not accurate it's yeah. not accurate at all and i fell into this trap so so hard when i was younger and i especially with calories on a piece of cardio equipment because at that time actually i didn't have we didn't have like fitbits or apple watches or anything like that so that was kind of like the main way to see the number in front of you of how many calories you burned. So I always would do that first. Like I would always either go on the elliptical or the treadmill first because I had this number in mind that I had to burn before I could do the rest of my workout. Like I needed to see that as like confirmation that I accomplished what I was setting out to accomplish. Like I burned a certain amount of calories. So I would go and just crush myself on a piece of cardio equipment and then I also wanted to be stronger. So then I would like to try to strength train, but I was, I was destroyed. Like I was so <laughs> tired. I had just spent all of my energy on burning calories, like not even doing anything productive. I wasn't even trying to, I didn't care how fast I was running. I didn't care about my form. I like, all I cared about was that number that mm. was showing up on the screen. And it just made it so that I then couldn't really get better at anything else because I was putting all of my energy into that number. Yeah. And that, that'll that do it in terms of robbing the enjoyment out of the yeah. process. Like all you're doing is diminishing, depleting yourself, like breaking yourself down. And there's no fun in that, right? There's It just takes a lot of willpower and eventually like that's going to break. And this is actually one of the reasons why we called our flagship class at Achieve, we called it Build, 
because we wanted to just go, get away from this whole idea of depletion and minimizing yourself and actually thinking about building, like getting stronger, like getting, uh, building muscle mass, building just confidence. Like, I think that's where we really want to try to go with it because everything else, the focus has been just to like deplete yourself. Yeah. And it's everywhere. It's like every class is called like burn or sweat. And it's all about just trying to make yourself smaller or deplete yourself in in various ways. Yeah. And this sort of has a, it like, I mean, I, all the mental pitfalls <clears throat> kind of tie into one another, but this one can really impact the rest of your training because like we said before, when you start to focus on just calories, you're going to want to start to focus on novelty and the burn and things that aren't really true measures of progress. And I think if you are constantly focused on that, you're never really narrowing things down that are actually going to move the needle forward. Yeah, exactly. It makes you gravitate toward things that aren't necessarily the most beneficial to your overall health and your overall happiness. It's just, it, it pulls you in a direction that isn't usually the most beneficial for you. Yeah. And ultimately, again, it's going to suck the enjoyment out of your training just to constantly think about reducing yourself instead of thinking about, oh, how can I focus on getting better at things? How can I focus on adding more to my plate? How can I increase my skill set? How can I get better at these things? And you're just limiting yourself so much. Yeah. All right. So those are our five common pitfalls. Um, let's just recap them one more time. One, comparing yourself to your previous self. Two, comparing yourself to others. Three, trying to increase slash improve at all the things all at once. Number four, chasing novelty due to boredom. And number five is... Focusing on calories burned over other markers of success. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and again, we don't necessarily have like the perfect solution for each and every step. We outline a couple um, for each step, but I think it was more just about bringing awareness to this whole common mental pitfalls that people undergo and people face. And hopefully through that awareness and through just talking about topics like this more, you're able to combat the negative thoughts that might into your mind as you're going through your training and stuff like that. Yeah. We have just a very, very difficult time wrapping things up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed. Sometimes you might hear like a quick cut edit because we just literally can't stop talking. Like we can't like wrap up a sentence. Sometimes I listen to myself and I'm like, first of all, you never took a breath. Second of all, if that was a written out statement, there would have been zero... Uh, Punctuation. punctuation. <laughs> it's just one long sentence. And with a bunch of exclamation points at the end. <laughs> but anyway, so we're going to do our best to wrap it up right now by saying we hope that was helpful. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And we would super appreciate if you would leave us a rating or review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And that's about all we have for you. So I still can't do it. Yeah, I mean, if you have any comments or questions, um, please let us know at Reasonably Fit Pod. That helps us yes. out a lot. So just comment there if you have anything like that. Uh, suggestions for future episodes, that would be awesome. Yeah. But I think that's about it for today's episode. Awesome. Until next time. Sweat out. Happiness in. <laughs> <laughs>